Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message by Executive Pastor Chris Valdez. Well, good morning. It is so good to see you this morning. Well, oh boy, do I have a treat for y'all. I've got one of those messages that preachers just love to preach and congregations just love to hear. Yeah, do you do you hear or sense some sarcasm in that? So the last three Sundays, we've been talking about the heart, the heart of the matter. And we've looked at the state of our heart and that focus that the focus of our heart must be on our heavenly father. And we've discussed how important it is for us to seek after God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind and with all of our strength, strength and within each message. The bottom line was the condition of our heart in relation to God. And this morning's message is no different. The focus is on our heart, specifically our heart as it relates to giving. The question this morning that I want to ask you is, does my heart, does our heart related to giving line up with God's? And it's interesting to me that talking about giving is always uh, such a sensitive topic. And I think the reason for that is because money is so close to our heart, which means it's all the more important that we talk about it and that we ask ourselves that question. Does my heart related to giving line up with God's? So while we're going to talk a little bit about giving in general this morning, I want you to understand our focus is on the state of our heart and God's heart when it comes to giving. And I want to also be very clear right up front that it's not about what we give. It's about our heart. God doesn't need your money or your gifts. His desire is for your heart. We don't own anything. Nothing's really ours. I think sometimes we get confused and think we actually own things. But to own something, that would mean you could never lose it. And as far as I know, every person that's ever lived came into this world with absolutely nothing and will leave it with absolutely nothing. Even nations, nations have risen and fallen over the history of mankind And they did not own the land. It wasn't permanently theirs. They held on to it for a while, but somebody else came and took it away. It wasn't theirs. So I just want us to first off agree that everything belongs to God. And if we can agree to that, then we can acknowledge he's not after your stuff. That's not what his heart's about when he talks about giving. God's not trying to get your stuff. He's after our heart. That being said, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 19, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. You don't lose this treasure. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now look at verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, 
or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And right after these verses is where Jesus tells us, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. Your heavenly father knows you need all those things. And if you seek me first, I'll provide all of those things. I'll take care of you. Just seek me first. But the thing that I want to point out in verse 21 and 24 is this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we can only serve one master. We can't serve two masters. So in this passage, Jesus says we can't serve God and money. But I want to be clear that this isn't just talking about money. We can't serve God and anything else. Anything else that we put in that place takes the place of God. And so, kids, this morning, for, for all of you joining us, do y'all get papers sometimes that you have to fill out? Fill in the blank. Fill in the blank paper or fill in the blank test. We have a fill in the blank question that Jesus is asking us. He's saying, you can't serve God and fill in the blank. That's one of them. <laughs> That's right. Money. Fear, sin, addiction, whatever we want to put in place of God, whatever you've set in that place, you can't serve God and that. We can only have one master. I said a moment ago that we can't truly own anything on this earth, but there is one thing that God has given to each of us. But the interesting thing is we can't keep it. To ourself. It's something that has to be given away. And that one thing is our heart. God created it that way. We give it to something or someone. We can't hold on to it. But God's desire is that we would give it to him. He made us so that the only way we could ever be whole is to give him our heart. He won't take it, though. He won't take it from you. We have to choose to give it to him. And while it's ours to give, we don't have the ability to keep it ourselves. It's impossible. You can't hold on to your heart. God made it so that you have to give your heart to something. And we all do. It's our treasure. It just happens. We can't control it. Jesus promised it. Our heart will be wherever our treasure is. Is your treasure God or is it something else? Amen. (laughs) Now I want to show you something that I thought was really neat. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 17, there's a teacher and you can turn there if you'd like. The teacher of the law, a Pharisee, they want to trap Jesus. They want to trick him and they thought they finally came up with a good way to do it. In verse 17, they say they're asking Jesus, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, why do you test me? You hypocrites, show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. It was the coin of their day. And he said to them, whose image An inscription is this. And they said to him, it's Caesar's. So he said to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. 
So they wanted to trick Jesus into saying, don't pay your taxes. And then they would have run off to the government and said, he's telling us not to pay our taxes. Arrest him. They thought they could trick him, but, but he knew what they were doing. He knew what was really in their heart, and he didn't fall for it. And listen to his answer. Whose image is on the coin? Caesar's. Caesar's image was on the coin. So give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. Well, I asked you a minute ago, let's see if you've figured this out. What's God's? Everything. Everything is. So let me ask you the question the way Jesus asked it. Whose image is on you? Whose image is on you? That's right. He's got all the right answers. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. God's image is on every single one of us. Will you give to God what belongs to God? Or are you going to give it to something else? Jesus was saying he wants us. He wants all of us. He wants the treasure of our heart because he wants our heart. Remember, he's far more concerned with your heart, with our heart, than he is with our money or anything else. He doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our gifts or whatever else you would put in that blank. He's after our hearts. Jesus said in Matthew 6 that if we really trust him, then we won't worry about what we're going to eat or drink or wear because we have a good heavenly father that knows we need all those things and is going to provide all of those things for us. God calls us to give because it gives us a clear picture of our heart. He's testing us and it's a test of him. I have a testimony uh, from one of our congregants that I want to share with you this morning. I asked their permission if I could share it. I'm still going to keep it anonymous, but I think it's important that we know it's one of our own. It's a story from one of our own. I was talking to the father of this family, and he was telling me how one of his children, his oldest, had money that they'd earned. And it had gotten on their heart that they wanted to give it away. They wanted to give some of it to their father, to the mother, and to their sibling. They wanted to give it all away. Well, they were actually not sure what to do. They're like, do we let them just give everything away? And so they talked about it and they felt like, well, we don't want to, you know, take away their heart of giving or stifle this if it's really what's on their heart. So they said, okay, if they want to, if this is what they want to do, we'll let them give, give it away. So they, they gave, gave out the money to, to their family and didn't keep anything for themselves. And in the conversation, we started talking about how, you know, it would be nice to have that kind of heart (laughs) that could just give give everything away so freely, not really thinking about it. And we talked about the heart of a child. You know, the Bible says and Jesus says, you know, you need to have a heart like a child if you're going to follow me. And we just talked about different things uh, in relation to that. And then all of a sudden it struck me because we're kind of trying to figure it out. You know, it's like what would have made this child think to do this. And uh, then it struck me. They have a good father. 
who provides everything for them. A roof over their head, clothes, food to eat, things to drink. And you know what? They don't just provide what the child needs. They bless them. They get other stuff. They get toys. They get other things. And so the child knew they could give everything away and it would be okay. And in our adult minds, we kind of were like, wow, you know, that's, that's, that's the way we should see God. But it also occurred to me, this child didn't think through those things. They didn't think, okay, if I give this away, I'm still going to get stuck because mom and dad are going to do those things. It never even crosses their mind. It's just a given. It's a fact. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to eat. Our kids often ask, what are we going to eat? <laughs> What's for lunch? And right after we finish lunch, what's for dinner? Yeah, but, but they've never asked, are we going to eat lunch today? Are we going to eat dinner tonight? It's just they're curious of what it's going to be. Are we going to like it? But it never occurred to this child that they were giving up anything. And the only thing that I could come up with as an adult, because we just don't think that way. Our minds don't work that way. And the only thing that I could come up with that is similar to the way that that child would have seen this situation is the sun rising in the morning. Do you ever wake up in the morning and say, oh, I hope, I hope the sun rises today. I hope that the earth isn't going to end because the sun didn't come up. There's going to be nothing to give us light, nothing to give us food, nothing to bring provision to the earth because the sun might not come up today. Ever? <laughs> Did you ever have that thought? Never. It, it doesn't even occur to us because we can count on it. And what God's saying is, you can count on me like you count on the sun. More. You can count on me more than you can count on that. Trust me like a child that I'm going to take care of you. Everything's going to be okay. I will provide. Imagine the peace of that state. Can you imagine the peace that you would have if you really believed that? If we really believed that? That was Jesus' point in Matthew chapter 6. Don't worry about all this stuff. God knows you need it. Seek me first. Give me your whole heart, your whole soul, your whole mind, all of your strength, and I'll take care of everything else. I want to show you someone who gave her whole heart to Jesus. Turn with me to Luke chapter 7 verse 36. As we read through it, I'll explain it along the way. Luke chapter 7 verse 36. One of the Pharisees, or a teacher of the law, asked him to eat with him. He invited Jesus over for dinner. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask. Your Bible may say a box, an alabaster box. Of ointment. But let's stop here for uh, just a second. A woman who was a sinner, and guys, that just means she did some bad things, which apart from God and apart from Christ, we're all sinners. And she heard that Jesus was at this man's house. 
So she immediately went to Jesus. No, that's not what it says. It doesn't say she went right away to Jesus. It said she went and got the alabaster flask, the alabaster block. Well, you know what? She didn't have that with her. She went home. She went home to where she had that kept in the safe place and got it out. And then she went to Jesus. Some translations say that that it's an alabaster box. But the point is, it's something that was very expensive, very precious. It was imported from another country and it was sealed to preserve the fragrance inside. You couldn't open it. It's not like you unscrewed the lid and poured out a little and put it back on. When you opened it, you were using it all. It was all coming out. And she went to go get it as soon as she heard Jesus was in town. Verse 38, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her, the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. She broke open the container and poured it all out on his feet. Her heart was broken. She couldn't stop crying. She wept so much so that his feet were wet with her tears. And she broke open the oil and poured it all out on his feet. She couldn't measure out some. She couldn't keep some for later. She gave it all. And she wiped his feet with her hair. And then verse 39. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this. Think about what he saw. The expression of love from this woman to Jesus. That's what he just saw. And when he saw it. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, if he were who he says he is, he would know what sort of woman this is who's touching him right now, for she's a sinner. So the Pharisee passed judgment not only on the woman, but on Jesus. If he were really a prophet, he wouldn't even let her be touching him right now. But I want to point out something else that came to my mind as I read this story again. The woman knew that everyone in town knew who she was. She knew that they looked down on her and that they didn't want to have anything to do with her. And it also occurred to me when she heard that, when she went to get the alabaster box, when she went to Jesus, I think she had thoughts in her head and fears that Jesus might not treat her any different from everyone else. What made her think it was going to be different? And I think it was the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that broke her heart. It was the Holy Spirit that put that love in her for Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit that made her go home first to get her treasure, to take it with her. But even then, I don't know if you've ever heard God speak to something to you and then you walk out on it. But even then, the enemy doesn't stop attacking I think during all that time, he was telling her in her head, he's going to reject you like everybody else. He doesn't love you. He doesn't care for you. But there was something in her that just hearing that Jesus was in town, her heart broke to the point of pouring out tears to wash his feet, to the point of going home and getting her treasure first. And she took that treasure and poured it all out on his feet. And then Jesus speaks in verse 40. 
And he answered that man. He answered his thoughts. He said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. And he said, a certain money lender had two debtors, one who owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? And Simon answered, well, I suppose for the one who he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. And then he turns to the woman and says to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time that I walked in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. And you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Notice again, look what they've just witnessed. A heart totally broken, totally given over to God. She's giving him her treasure. She's giving him everything. That's what they've just witnessed. And he says, she gets it. Your sins are forgiven. And what they say is, who is this guy who has the ability to forgive sins? They're missing the whole thing. They're missing the entire thing. They're missing the fact that the Son of God is in their presence and they don't hear what the Holy Spirit's saying. But she heard it from the moment she heard he was in town. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Her sins that were many were forgiven because she loved much. She took her heart with her, her treasure. She took everything and laid it at the feet of Jesus. But it wasn't the gift or the treasure that saved her. It was the gift of her heart. Your faith has saved you. She believed Jesus and that was enough. She put all all of her hope in Jesus, all of her trust in Jesus, all of her faith in Jesus. And she didn't hold her treasure back. She didn't hold her most important treasure back, her heart. She gave it all. She loved him with everything. And Jesus said, you understand. You get it. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. That is what a giving heart looks like. That's what a heart given to God looks like. But the question remains, what does God's heart, his giving heart, look like to us? God's an abundant provider. We know Jesus told us not to worry. He said he's going to take care of everything. But what does God's provision look like? Well, I want to tell you this morning, his provision is overwhelming. He's capable of providing for all of our needs and beyond. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 16. And it'll be up on the screen in a moment. But while you turn there, I just want to give you a little bit of a background. In Exodus 16, we're seeing after the children of Israel have left Egypt and God provided them daily food, manna, that was literally bread from heaven. And he did this for them every day for 40 years. 
And I don't think we usually think about it. It really doesn't even occur to us. Most of us know that story that God just provided manna every day. But I just want to tell you right now, that was a lot of bread. It was a whole lot of bread. It's conservatively estimated that there was two million Israelites that left Egypt. And the verses that we're about to read say that each person collected what was called an omer of manna. And they got that each day is what they were going to eat. It's equivalent to six pints. That means they would have collected 12 million pints or 9 million pounds of manna per day. That translates to more than a million tons of manna per year. And remember, they were out there for 40 years. I think we can all agree that's a ridiculous amount of manna. (laughs) That's a lot of bread that was provided day by day by the grace of God. Let's read Exodus 16, 16 through 20 together. It says, gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. And whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not. Listen to Moses. That's not the first time or the last. Some left part of it till morning and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. And that wasn't the first time or the last either. But the main point here is God provided enough food for one day every day. No more, no less. Enough. Enough to feed them and fill them today. And they were supposed to trust him to provide for tomorrow. But look at verse 19. Some left part till morning. Just in case. Just in case God doesn't come through. Just in case he's not really going to provide something tomorrow. They didn't trust him. He didn't have their heart. And there's something very important that I want us all to see. It clearly said that God provided enough. Enough for each person to get full. Just enough. Not more. Not less. Enough. So everyone who saved some for the next day didn't even get full. They went to bed hungry that night. Because they didn't trust God was going to provide Tomorrow. So they didn't get full. He provided enough, but they didn't eat it all. And what they set aside, what they saved, saved for later for their security was rotten the next morning. It stank and was full of worms. It went to waste. Literally, all the provision that they made for themselves. I've got to take care of myself. I've got to save something aside. Just in case, everything that they did for themselves was lost. So not only did it not gain them something, they lost the opportunity to be full with God's provision. He'd given them enough to be full, but they didn't need it all. Just in case. 
But then I don't want you to miss this either. Yes, they lost everything they saved. But by God's grace, there was new manna the next morning. But once again, it was just enough. Enough for that day. Enough to be full today. But knowing the Israelites, the Bible doesn't say this, but knowing them, I would wager somebody still held a little bit over that day too. Maybe it won't rot this time. Maybe this time I'll be able to save some for later. But God's grace was sufficient and he gave them new manna each day. Another scripture says God's mercies are new every morning. Every day he gave them enough for that day. And I think maybe it took two, maybe it took three or four days, whatever. Eventually they all got it. Eventually they knew he's going to give us some tomorrow. It's going to be enough. We can actually get full today, be comfortable in today and know he's going to take care of us tomorrow. Do you ever look out in the morning for the sun to rise just to make sure it's there? We don't have to because we believe it. We know he's going to take care of us. That's the example in the in the child's story. They believed their father. It never crossed their mind. It doesn't cross our mind. And that's what God wants us to remember He wanted that for the children of Israel, and that's what he wants for us, for us to give him our whole heart, all of our trust, because it's the best way that we can possibly live. Remember that it's all his to begin with. And remember that he loves us either way. God put the tithe in place literally to test us and for us to be able to test him. The word tithe in the Bible literally means a tenth or 10%. So if we were to work and receive $100 for something that we did, the tithe would be $10. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. God says, if you trust me first and give, you will have plenty and be blessed. For those that might think that tithing was only an Old Testament practice, we're going to look at a couple New Testament scriptures. The one that I'm about to read won't be on the screen. It's Matthew 23, 23. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and he told them that you tithe on everything. You even tithe on mint and spices and cumin. And he says, but you're neglecting justice, mercy and faithfulness. He was saying you're doing it, but your heart's not there. You're doing it for other people to see. You're doing it to show that you can follow the law. It has nothing to do with following me or loving me. You're not giving me your heart. And what Jesus then said is you should be doing both. Don't neglect the tithe, but follow me with your heart. Give your heart. And then 2 Corinthians 9, 6 shows us he's talking about the heart. The point in verse 6, it says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God, Loves a cheerful giver. And God 
is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And then in verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed, not only for sowing and in, but also increase the harvest of your righteousness. Once again, it's a matter of the heart. Each one of us must decide in our heart what we're going to give. And then God says, I won't just supply you the seed to sow. I won't just supply you the seed for bread, but I'm going to multiply it so you have more of both for sowing and increase of your harvest. I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. I'm not saying if you give $10 tithe that God's going to give you $100 back and you can count on it. It's not all about finances. It's not all about uh, what we receive back. The real point of this message isn't about what we give and it sure isn't about what we receive back. It's about the condition of our heart. God put tithing in place to be a constant reminder to us that we need to keep our heart right before him. Every time we have increase and every time we give, God's saying, check your heart. Is your heart still right? And you'll know whether it is right when it's going out or the fact that it's not. I can't trust you. I've got to keep it just in case. Or yes, I gave it. But man, what could I have done with that? How much could I have done if I'd have held on to that? If you've never tithed before, which just again means giving 10% of your increase to God, it can be a scary thing. I know that. But I guarantee you can trust Him. Remember, it's all His anyway. He just wants to make sure that our hearts are right. And maybe you tithe, but it's with a grudge or without joy. Because there's still some fear of loss. And God's saying, you can trust me. You can give with joy. We're going to close this morning looking at Malachi chapter 3 verse 8. And this is God speaking through the prophet Malachi. He asks them through him, will a man rob God? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And this is where God says we can literally test him. This version says try. Some of yours probably says test. But he says, test me, try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit in your field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. That word pour there, where he says he's going to pour out blessings, means to pour out or down, to empty out, to make empty. God is saying, test me in this. You give me the 10% that's mine anyway. And I'm going to open the floodgates of heaven and empty it out, literally empty out the blessings of heaven. 
so that you won't have room to receive it. And on top of that, I will rebuke the devourer so he will not destroy your fruit. He's going to pour it out. A month or so ago, Pastor Dale shared about the Holy Spirit, how God pours it out and it just overflows. And that we can live out of the overflow and that what other people see and, and receive from us, the blessing that they give from our life is the overflow of what God gives us. And that's the same thing here. He's saying, if you trust me, I'll pour out so much on you. It's going to be a mess. It's going to splash everywhere. There's going to be enough for you and for everybody else. You'll be a blessing to others. And there was, it's, it's this way all the time. Every time I'm preparing a message, there's so much. And I use a lot of scripture. I hope you'll bear with me. Uh, but there was so much more. There was so much more. And the thought that I always have is, read this. <laughs> Seek God. Go to him yourself. He'll tell you. He'll speak to you. You can go to his word on giving, on the Holy Spirit, on anything. And the Holy Spirit is declaring his word to you. And you can hear him. He's speaking to you. He spoke to the woman with the alabaster flask just by hearing Jesus was in town. That was that was the gospel message. That was the good news of Jesus Christ. That's all it took for that woman was to hear Jesus Christ is in town. And she went to get her treasure to give everything she had and was broken in heart and gave everything over just from hearing Jesus was in town. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And God says we can trust him. It is good news. And I'll pour out the blessings of heaven where you don't even have enough to receive it if you just trust me. That I'll give you enough today for today. And tomorrow, I'll give you enough for tomorrow. It's going to be okay. You can trust me. Remember the manna that God provided for the children of Israel. His provision is without end. Remember the child that gave everything she had because she knew that she had a father and mother that she could trust. That was going to provide all of her needs and beyond. And the woman with the alabaster flask that broke it gave everything over. But the true treasure was her heart and she gave it. We can trust him. He wants your treasure, not your money, not your gifts. He wants your heart. And once he has your heart, then you'll be able to test him, test him in joyful giving and be amazed at him pouring out his blessings on you. He desires your heart. The last scripture we're going to close with is first John three one. It says, see what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. We're children of God. But do we believe it? Do we believe it? If we did, we would trust him. If we really believed he was our father, we'd trust him. He'd be enough. We'd believe he could provide. We believe that there would be no other reason to put anything else in that blank other than him. Because he's enough. 
if we really believe we're his children, we can really trust him enough to provide for our needs. We can trust him enough to test him like he's asked us to. And just remember that giving is that constant test, a reminder of whether or not he really has our heart, our treasure. Give him your heart this morning. Give him your heart. That's what he wants. He wants our heart. Bow with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, <laughs> thank you that we can call you Father. You are a good Father. The one who owns everything. It's all yours. It was all yours yesterday. It's all yours today. And it's going to all be yours tomorrow. And Lord, I thank you that we can trust you. But Father, I ask for each of us, give us faith to believe. Like the woman with the alabaster flask. She heard your voice. She heard it and responded. And she was transformed. She was forgiven. Father, let us hear your voice this morning and respond. And give you our treasure. Give you our heart. And never ask for it back. We can trust you. And I thank you. I thank you. I thank you that we can trust you. You are good. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.